Brandon Stroud, who has used his clout as a wrestling pundit, has wormed his way into the Inspire Pro creative circle to control what would be our women's division, which he coined XXD. I believe it was uh, Lex, uh, Phil Librand yeah. who who coined it as 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 such. Yeah. Um, I think as a almost as a joke, right? As a joke. Yeah. But it was lifted and actually applied somehow, um, in much the same way that he applied mere punchlines to to storylines and built things around them. Um, Matthew Palmer hated the name because he felt it was one X removed from triple X and kind of diminished the fact that, you know, women should be more respected in the business. I, I I, I similarly just, I didn't like it, but at this time I believe that the, the division between Biss and I, which was really uh, established by Brandon, who kept us kind of separated for the most part, um, I wasn't able to really express how I was feeling, but anyway, going into this this uh, this next show, which focuses on in their blood, we had been asked to do an XXD focus show. It was supposed to be primarily women. The idea was to do a show out of a smaller venue with a smaller card, and take that money and subsidize the main show with it, and. So I began my search for a venue. We went to the Iron Gate, which Wrestle Circus eventually ran out of. We were initially offered a uh, rental for about a thousand bucks, which meant that the show had to kind of grow a yeah, little bit. It had bit. to be bigger than what we were talking. Yeah, about. we had we had to make a return on it. Yeah. And then they came back to us a few weeks <laughs> before the show was supposed to occur, and it was already booked. And uh, and they they wanted they wanted. Like triple the amount, yeah. and we just we just couldn't we couldn't justify it. Um, the spot, while central to downtown, was still very dodgy. It was across the street from a homeless shelter. Literally, the first time I went to the spot, someone had projectile diarrhea all over the door, and you know, the the I believe the arch, which is the homeless shelter's food kitchen, was right next door to it. So. When people would line up outside, they were just constantly getting hassled. This is not to poor shame or shame homeless yeah, no. people. It just wasn't a good it, spot. Just, that's the situation. That's what was there. Yeah, it it was just it was a, a difficult spot for a lot of people to maneuver, and a lot of people were kind of scared to go down to yeah. that part of town to begin with. I, I I booked a club that was right around the corner from that, known as Beerland, for a good eighteen years. So I was. I was familiar with the difficulty of running a spot or a business business down there at that location. Anyway, let's talk about building this card because initially the concept yeah. was to make it all female. It's an all but, female card, yeah, about six matches, right? Yeah, when we had to go back to Marquesa, even leading into that, we had we had a certain dollar amount that we had to generate in order to justify running, even at Iron Gate. We decided that we needed to incorporate. Some men's matches, but we would still try to retain the focus of it being a women-centric show. Yeah, yeah and on top of that, we, um, you know, we talked about how there was really only one storyline women-wise going on. Yeah. Now you've got to fill in six matches, right? Absolutely. And so, you know, that became an issue. So we started, uh, there was a tournament started for the women's belt. And basically, Stroud just lifted what we did for the men's belt. Yeah, no, he didn't book anything, though. He didn't book anything yeah. because the whole thing was that he was initially really agitated that 
we would have to put men's matches on there. And I said, look, you need a hook. You need to put something crazy, bombastic in there. You need to use the boys to, to bring some people in. You know, it's it's not going to hurt you. It's just going to it's just gonna help the situation and sweeten the pot. Yeah. So I had some ideas. I was graciously given two fucking matches initially to book. That's the way it went. I was initially kind of like... like Kept on the outside, and Brandon was very defensive and very protective yeah. of this 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 thing, right? Initially, he said he said he didn't want any matches on the card. I convinced him to let me initially put two matches that were men's matches on the card. One of the matches that he said that he would like to see involved a wrestler by the name of Honky Kong. Who was in RCW? God, yeah, so, we've got to go down in this whole path. Yes, we got this. Is this is where we start to yeah. talk about RCW, which is a San Antonio <sighs> promotion, River City Wrestling. Yeah. So let's dive into that. So Honky Kong is a student of the River City Wrestling School, and to book him, we have to come to an agreement with River City Wrestling. <laughs> Becomes a theme of this episode. Yes. So, the most logical thing would be to do a match there and a match for us, and then the idea was to have two non-finishes. I gotta yell at you for this. I was really mad about this 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 match. So, I was I was still on this this bend where I was trying to build up depression as a monster. And Brandon always looked at the character as this goofy fucking joke. And I never looked at the character as a joke. I thought the character had a lot of potential. And unfortunately, Brandon, like a kid egging his dad to take him to see Santa at the fucking mall around Christmas, was begging me to do Depression versus Honky Kong. This puts us in a position, though, where even though he asked to do it, he can say it was his idea. First of all, it was a shit idea, but second of all, it puts Biss in a position where he has to go and negotiate with the folks at River City Wrestling. Things like this don't just spontaneously <laughs> erupt. You don't just take Army Guy yeah. 1 versus G.I. Joe Guy 2 and put them in a fucking play ring. You actually have to negotiate this stuff. You have to get through the politics of it, and that's basically what happened. And so we first decide, okay, well, if we got to get... To Depression versus Honky Kong in Austin at this XXD show, which yep. Brandon wants. Biss agrees to take Depression and a just, few of our other guys down to RCW. Well, not originally. Just Depression. Just Depression. Yeah. <laughs> so it's supposed to be Depression and Honky, and one's a double DQ and one's a double countout. Okay. So Easy enough. We, gotta, we also have to establish Honky Kong is this big, fat, white guy who wears yeah. like a grass skirt. He's... Basically, a, a mix between Donkey Kong and Kamala. And Kamala. Yeah, right? yeah. It's a funny idea. Um, I was I was pitched that when I was in wrestling school. I was pitched this gimmick. Yes. <laughs> I'd also like to point out though that the gimmick actually does really work if if it's for this guy who's kind of white and rotund. Yes. But going into this event, Honky Kong had lost a bunch of weight. Shit, like a hundred pounds. Yes, and so. <laughs> There's this kind of shrinking human being yes. painted up with Kamala body paint and a grass skirt and a Donkey Kong tie. And I'm supposed to, I'm taking my monster and putting him in a match with this guy. And yeah. I'm fucking pissed. Yeah. Um, we, you know, originally I'm thinking Kamala versus fucking Missing Link 
right? We can make something. Like, yeah. There's a history for this uh, quickly. So we show up to RCW to do the first match. Um, and we get there. And we basically get informed that the card has changed. That um, they will be feeding a jobber to depression to build him up. And it is... uh, He was under a hood, right? I don't know. I wasn't there for that. Oh. Remember? I I, I couldn't make it. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So I get there. And things have changed. Uh, Sean Hernandez. This isn't even in uh, San Antonio, is it? Wasn't no, it? this is in San Antonio. Was There's it? another one in San Marcos that, okay. that I'm now roped into. Thank you, Stroud. Um, so, I didn't make it to either of those. Yeah. So, I, who was it? Was it, it was Eamon and, and Stroud, maybe, that came with? Probably. So, we get there, and a, a gentleman an older gentleman who had just been coming out of a cuckle gimmick, uh, was now wearing a, uh, mask as like, just basically a jobber. Uh, he is who depression is going to squash. Now. Can, can, can I take a moment yeah, yeah. and let, two, there's many moments oh, that have to be on. taken. This here. needs, this needs to, but people need to let this resonate. A gentleman <laughs> who's coming out of a cuckold gimmick. This is river city wrestling. Um, I, 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 I gotta I gotta say I'm gonna catch shit for this probably if it gets back to him, but worst fucking locker room I've ever Ugh. been in. Worst fucking show I've ever seen. Um I I only went to one show and it was hilarious. Yeah. But not in oh, a good yeah, way. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That show. Um and they and they were Man, this story just keeps telling itself. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna run this I'm gonna run that I'm gonna run Yeah, down run down here. what you saw that night. Uh, okay, so man, it becomes. I was eager to go go meet Brandon, who ran River City Wrestling. It was also run by a gentleman by the name of Sean Hernandez. Of that's uh, kayfabe, but yeah. that's who really runs shit when he's around. <laughs> yeah. So I went there, I believe, with Eamon and Brandon, and I was excited because this the the Submission Squad guys were driving down from St. Louis along with Thomas Shire. Masada was going to be on the card. It takes place in basically what is like a Chili's. It it's like in spite of the fact that like they get on there and go, oh, six hundred motherfuckers packed it into this joint tonight. No, sorry, dude. It was like it's like maybe like seventy five people, and it was in this like sports bar, and uh, we sit down and we get through several of the matches. One of the matches has Sean Hernandez painted like Hellboy. He's like doing some weird Hellboy gimmick, but the thing is, is that he's in his he's in full body grease paint. So as he rolls around the mat and the ring, he's leaving red grease paint everywhere. And so I'm just like kind of watching this, going, "This is fucking bizarre." And of course, then the submission squad come out and they have their match. I get my load of Honky Kong and go, "He lost a lot of weight." <laughs> this is around the same time where Biss is like going to San Marcos and San Antonio, but we're not with each other. We're just kind of going to different different places, and I'm just getting a feel for. Working with those people, you know, I shake hands with Brandon. I say, oh, Brandon, Brandon, the owner of RCW, not Stroud. Um, I'm excited to see Davey Vega. I'm excited to see Evan. I'm excited to see Pierre. Of course, Shire, I love. Shire is one of the funniest, legit funniest people I've ever met in wrestling. 
And of course, Masada is there. And there's this finish to the show. Six matches, like I said. Oh, oh! During intermission, they actually raffle off a date with Sean Hernandez, which a bunch of people pull money together so that Ruthless Lala can <laughs> can win this date, so that she can basically try and politic her way into wrestling at RCW. Um. Yeah, Ruthless Lala. That's another. That's another. Uh, oh my God. Yeah. Anyway. Um, at the close of the show, the submission squad comes out and they beat down somebody in the ring. And then one by one, people the, the run whole out of, locker room, the okay. whole locker room empties out one by one and gets beat down. Like everybody gets beat down. And like, after they potato somebody, they, they powder out and roll outside the ring and they just lay there and play dead. So it's like about, I don't know, like 12 <laughs> to 16 people, like, are just kind of like orbiting into the ring, getting knocked out, <laughs> and rolling out, right? And then, of course, Sean Hernandez comes out, and Masada decides like he's going to swerve everybody, and he joins the submission squad. So it's the submission squad and Masada just like <laughs> killing everybody, and then it's just them in the middle of the ring. The fans are fucking pissed off. Of course, yeah. that's what you want. Yeah. But here's the funny part: they never brought the submission <laughs> squad back. They well, just buried yeah. the whole fucking the, locker room. The, the squad does the Thanos snap, and fucking they're done. <laughs> They've already murdered everybody. Yes, but I, I gotta, I gotta admit, Masada with the squad was genius. Yeah. That's a genius pairing. Nevertheless, I'm just sitting there, kind of like with my hands in my lap, just going, "What the fuck is going on?" And this was the show. It was one of the worst yeah. shows I ever saw. I, and I remember being in the locker room at that point too, and there was just they were threatened. Threatening to rape one of the young boys? Sounds about right. Um, and then, of course, there was that sinister minister guy who had the cuckold gimmick that you mentioned yeah, yeah. earlier. Yep. He was constantly trying to pitch, like, oh, I want to manage this guy in your company. I want to do this. I want to do that. I just, I had no interest in that guy whatsoever. He, he'd never been to a show, so he didn't know the flavor. Yeah. But just, like, the, the locker room was super toxic. Brandon, the owner of the company, was very nice. But it was a fucking fiasco yeah. and it wasn't a good show. So <laughs> the next show or, or a few shows later, I'm there with, with this squash in San, San Barco. So, so here's the deal. Yeah. Max isn't there. So they're like, uh, Sean basically has changed the card. It's like, I'm going to, uh, no, we're going to build depression up and I can read between the lines. The idea here is uh, we, we can build depression up so he can fucking put me over. Right. Mm-hmm. Is basically, I'm like, <clears throat> fucking hell. What type of political fucking chicanery bullshit <laughs> am I going to have to fucking navigate through? So, um, the first match is depression murdering this guy. And uh, Sean's like, yeah, go out there. So, here's the other thing. They want me to manage him. Right? I'm like, I'm not his fucking manager. But you go down there and you wind up being the heel authority figure from fucking Inspire. I think like you go down there and you tear them a new one. But that's what they wanted. Yeah. So they they're like, no. So you go out there and tell everybody how shitty fucking RCW is and how great Inspire is, and like that's not how I've been taught to do a promo. Like it doesn't work for me. So I basically just shit on this guy. I'm like, I've heard all these great things about RCW, and this doesn't represent it. We don't want that. We want the best of RCW, blah, 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 whatever. So the next show in San Antonio, Darren's on. And Brandon hits me up. He's like, hey, I don't want any bullshit. I'm like, look, uh, it's whatever. But if you want to be safe, I'm cool with not being on the show. 
because I only wanted to be on one anyway. I didn't really want to be down there. So they're like, oh, well, we have this show in San Marcos. We want you guys to come down and do another squash match. I'm like, all right, cool. Uh, and But he's like, at this point, he's picked up. And he's like, hey, can you bring one of your guys down the, to wrestle depression? And I think Jensen was trying to get on with RCW. So we get Jensen on the card. So we go down there. It's mid. I like. I hate my life. <laughs> I'm like. <laughs> I'm texting people like, "Why the fuck am I here?" Um, it's in like this old theater, which is kind of cool. But um, besides that, we uh, we squash out Jensen, and I think it's at this show where they go. Okay, so just keep it going. Go ahead and beat Honky Kong, right? And I think he sent. He's he may have sent this message to both of us over Facebook or whatever, but. It basically says, hey, go ahead and, and beat Honky Kong. All right. So I'm still like, eventually, they're going to want depression to put over fucking Sean. Like, what the, how the fuck do I get out of this? Um, but anyway, we've done two shows. The next show is our show. Honky Kong is going to wrestle depression. And then I can figure it out after that. And I believe we actually had, uh, quite a few rcw people in the locker room the night of our show yeah there was two two i thought there were uh, we'll get we'll get to it we'll yeah, get it, was, to it. it was only two nevertheless here we are as lucille ball putting on a <laughs> fucking football helmet to yeah. play superman at our kid's birthday we're yeah. fucking rolling through these hoops so that brandon can have yeah. his precious honky kong versus depression match which completely diminishes the monster that i've spent the better part of our history building but you know what? I'm going to do this to be nice. I'm going to be a fucking sweetheart, and he's going to get his match. At the same time, I know that this show, personally, needs several hooks, because the women's shit just ain't fucking there. Yeah. And the first match that I pitch is going to build off our Junior Crown title, where Sammy Guevara had previously smashed the crown. We now have the crown. The crown has arrived safely. This is a theme of our company where belts don't arrive on time, actually. Unfortunately, I think it's a wrestling theme, but yeah. Yeah, anyway, we decide that we're going to do this three-way. It's a ladder match. We've never done a ladder match, and it's going to put the crown over the over the ring. And we're going to have Ricky Starks versus Sammy Guevara versus Barrett Brown, which is very sexy as a match. It's a yep. ladder match with these three top dogs who are going to bring it athletically and we are very excited to have this match. But still, we need we need something else because again, they're just this is just not going to work, you know. Yeah. The, 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 we need well, more sizzle. Yeah, and we we don't have a women's title and we have a a women's um show basically. It's a show centered around around women. So, I happen to know somebody who has a women's belt. A world <laughs> women's belt literally defended across the world so my good friend tony brooklyn is still president of the nwa and the nwa from time to time will rent out title defenses i'm like they don't give a fuck about the women's belt i know this because when i for my like six months i tried to book the women's belt it didn't get any real attention what if we get a, a women's title defense, right? That's something that at least we can fucking advertise. So when I'm in that position, one of my thoughts was to put the belt 
on um, Portia Perez, who could then take the belt all over not only Canada, but also wherever she was at. And then when she came back, she could drop it to someone who could take it to Japan and then drop it to somebody that could go to Mexico. In other words, you actually had plans that made sense. Yes, I was hoping to make it an actual world title. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, there's so much history between the belt. I always admired it. So, um, the other thing that we needed to do was to build up the women that we had. And Portia really was interested in doing a seminar. So, holy shit, we can do Barbie Hayden and Portia Perez for the NWA women's title, world title. And Portia can give a seminar that will help these these girls that are, are coming up. So, the only thing left to do... I booked Portia. The only thing left to do is to get the hook. Which means now, I get to go play fucking John Kennedy with the NWA. Back to the closet. All right. Here we go. So, I make the phone call that I think is going to go very smooth. I just have to figure out the price of how much this shit's going to cost me to have the honor of presenting an NWA women's title match. And Tony Brooklyn goes, well, I just, I don't know what the rest of the people would think if I let you guys have a, a title shot without being a member. And I'm thinking to myself, what the fuck? <laughs> like, you do this with other companies. What the fuck? So that conversation ends and I get a phone call from Jack Stane. Um, short, maybe two or three hours after. Um, Jax really wants us to join the NWA. He had been at our previous yeah. uh, event, and he had a great time. Yeah, seemed to seemed to really he he had he had nothing but kind things to say. I think we put on a good image for what they wanted to achieve, particularly yeah. in Austin. So, it, and the other thing was Tony knew that he had plenty of people that could present old school wrestling, but he also knew that he had to have people that had their eyes going forward, and I think. We had the in fingers a, on the pulse. In a that, weird way, yeah. our little closet interview probably opened his eyes to that. Because we didn't just go, oh boy, the NWA, right? We we talked about, hey, what we could do with it, what we could add, all that good stuff. So, uh, Jax calls, and I'm like, hey man, this is kind of bullshit. And he's like, uh, don't worry about that. He's like, here's here's what I will do for you, Right? And here's the offer that I've told them they need to offer you. And it's an offer that lines up with our interest. So some of the things, let's get into some of the details. So at this point, there is a relationship with New Japan Pro Wrestling, right? And they kind of name drop uh, Jushin Thunder Liger, a Tenzan, a Kojima, right? Yeah. And for us, that's very exciting. Um, to have the opportunity to to potentially work with, I say potentially now, but the idea was, hey, that's definitely going to happen, right? Um, because they had just had Liger, Tenzon, and and Gato, right? So um, that's floated out there. We are promised a NWA World's title defense at our show. That means more to me than it. You were kind of. Not super interested because of who held the title. Right? I, I'm not a fan of Rob Conway. Yeah. Um, 
<clears throat> so, but okay, go on. Yeah. What else? What else did they promise us? <laughs> this is good. So we are also promised 100% control of the NWA Women's World Title. That means, in my book, that you. Do not make a move with that belt unless we say this or that, and we have influence over who holds it. Now, I've had people ask me over the years, why did you join the NWA? They brought nothing to the table. Why did you do this? So let me clarify and reiterate what this just said. They said that if we joined, we would get a match with Jushin Thunder Liger. We would get implicit control of the NWA women's belt, and we would host an NWA title match at some point. And of course we you know, we just they, they they would they would do what they could for us, but they had no social media presence. Yeah. They had no means of promoting anything. But also to me, you know, the idea of working with Liger and being able to control that women's belt, that was a big deal. That was that that was pretty sweet. And and that, that to me held water. I mean to me those those letters didn't mean anything. They stopped meaning something when the Sheik bought the title with cocaine. Well, and that, um, that, that, that Shane, happened. Shane Douglas slamming down the belt didn't help. Well, that was cool, though. That was a cool story thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, that, that honestly, but, that... But, I mean, the NWA after that point really didn't mean No, anything. but it was also, you know, the way that, that they ran it was that there was no real... It was a racket, man. Yeah. You could be any trash bagger company, and if you had a certain amount of money in your bank yep. account, you could be an NWA affiliate. Yeah. It wasn't like this star-spangled, you know, belt of really badass promotions cooperating. It was just a bunch of fucking bums and you know, podunk, yeah. bunghole towns that had the, the the letters in front of their name. It didn't really mean anything. Well, and I mean, in the. I mean, part of the allure to us was Tony was cleaning some of that stuff up, right? He was trying. So, um, but you the key word there is Tony as yeah. well. You can't, but he, he, it's like being, you know, it's like being partners with someone in internal affairs who's selling cocaine on the side, you know? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, the guy that he was in bed with was not, yeah. he didn't have integrity in my book. Yeah. So it didn't, it didn't matter what Tony did. Everything yeah. that Tony did to make that, company means something was ultimately undone by the guy that he was partners with so the last little bit here um there was no crowdsourcing for any of this um not that i think if it was a proper inspired show we really would have wanted that attached to our name but that never happened uh stroud was given a credit card reader to set up an account so that he could sell tickets yep uh, he had no idea why he would have been given that if he you know so I don't think that there was ever, honestly, any interest in him doing the work. I think it was just kind of guilting us and wishing into this position. But nevertheless, we set the table for In Their Blood. Um, as a, Let's run down this card. All right. So first match is uh, Matthew Palmer versus Gigolo James Johnson. Just, just to preface this. As you will see, there wound up being a lot more men's matches <laughs> than initially desired, which was nil. Why? Because there just wasn't shit going on under the hood in terms of yeah. what Brandon could bring to the table creatively, and the talent pool was shallow. Yeah, so we, we added... You have the uh, the main hook match here with, uh, with Portia and Barbie, which we'll get to. 
you have a qualifier for this um, this tournament that he's doing, very much in the same vein as, as the men's title. And then you have a match that kind of fell in our lap, and then you have a storyline match. So um, there wasn't much, much else out there, right? So... We open with Matthew Palmer versus James Johnson because it's not this crazy marquee match that's going to overshadow anything on the card, but still, Matt and James were very close friends. Yes. And they worked well together. I think even roommates at this point. Yes, at this they, moment, they, were, right? they were roommates at this point, and a lot of the stuff that they were doing was, um, was they were doing, they were even filming promos that were hilarious. Yeah. But I knew that if I put them together, they would create a match that was just a total fucking banger. And... A banger we got for the opener. We, you know, we needed it and we got it. Yep. So Matthew Palmer wins with the help of outside interference by the still still injured but healing Franco D'Angelo. Yes, sir. Uh, Franco is run off by the save of American Eagle. Whatever happened to that guy? Yeah. Um, Keep it up, man. <laughs> I'm just every time. Um, so this actually sets up up a match for our Clash at the Bash, our, our anniversary show um, at the time. So we've got American Eagle and Franco facing off. So we, we've got that set up. Uh, Palmer keeps his, his streak going here. And then we go into Ooh, what boy. is maybe... This embarrasses me that it's on a card. So we have painstakingly step through this fucking bookmarks gimmick. And we are finally going to add the third fucking bookmark. And we've already done this match, right? We've done it like four times at this point where Paige Turner wrestles somebody and then converts them. And finally, it's like, we have to do something different, right? So what happened to Charlie? Uh, oh, that's a good story. So, Charlie, at this point... We have a bookmark named Charlie yes. in the fold. Yes. So, But she's not here. No, no, she's not. So, at this point, uh, Charlie is with child and <laughs> cannot wrestle. Yes. So, um, Lover to Death still comes to the shows. But, yeah, that's basically the end of her wrestling career. So, at a NWA show slightly before this, uh, Lexi wrestles Charlie um, in a match where she... I may be pregnant, which is... Wrestling is not something you want to do pregnant, right? But um, they get through it safe. There's no bumps taken, luckily, and everything works out. Uh, Beautiful little boy to this day. Um, But... So fucking Christ! I'm just gonna walk through this fucking do, train do wreck because it, I, I, it to this day makes no fucking no, sense. No, my hands are up. We have, so, we have, but but we also have to kind of introduce Casey Warfield. Yes, which God bless her. Like, and none of this is a slight on the talent because they were thrown absolute shit in this situation. But we have Paige. What's on the paper is Paige Turner and Lexi versus Casey Warfield, who's from. Um, Dallas and does not fit the mold of what the bookmarks are supposed to be at all. But God damn it, we're we got to do something here. Mm-hmm. And Cat Green, who Cat Green has uh, done a, f- a few spots here and there with us. Great look, yeah. And 
so it's Casey Warfield tagging with Cat Green. So Paige Turner and Lexi come out of the curtain. Cat Green comes out of the curtain. And from behind, Casey Warfield, already in the Argyle sweater, attacks Cat Green because for whatever fucking reason, she's already joined the bookmarks. So now we have a fucking three-on-one match. Thank God this is in slot two. I've talked about fucking slot two before. So, <laughs> right? This already frustrates the fuck out of, out of me watching This it. is a fucking it's space It's a train, train fucking, yeah. Yeah, it's awful. It's horrible. So now it's a three-on-one fucking match with Cat Green, who is fucking doing the best she can. We, this is Casey Warfield's first fucking exposure to our crowd, and we've done her no let's, fucking favors. Let's also talk about this. A lot of people, like, Brandon didn't get a lot of really fundamental things about wrestling. For example, when this match was evolving, he said, Oh, all Cat has to do is get beat up. Well, here's the thing. When you have somebody that is on the receiving end of something like this, they need to be able to be able to work. They have to be of a certain caliber. They have to be able to sell. They have to be able to work safely. It's not just about somebody, oh, well, they lose, so they don't have to be very good. That was the way he approached this. And that was not how this should have worked. Yeah, no. It's not not how any of this works. No, no. So, fucking Christ. And it was just a... He refused to understand how wrestling really worked. He was in a position where he could write jokes and acted like he understood wrestling, and that was making him a fucking living, right? So to fucking actually be faced with the fact that it's a little bit more difficult than what the fuck you think it is, and it's a little bit harder than just getting beat up and your little fucking leg slap jokes or any of that shit was just beyond him. He just refused to fucking do it. So Serena Mercury is coming down with the group from um, the Valley. You know, the Eric Shadows. The the NWA Rev folks. Those guys. Um, So this kind of leads into one of my only creative things on this show. So, you know, she saves the day. They get the win. Fucking Paige and them are pissed. Maybe we have something we can go to with Cat and Serena versus the bookmarks. Okay. So, extremely embarrassed this ever happened on the Inspire show. Put a pin on that one. We'll get back to Cat Green and Serena later on. Mercifully, let's head into something that was a little bit more fun. I think at this point, too, though, I was arguing. I was saying, like, we shouldn't be doing anything with Casey at this point. But we had booked her, so you were honoring your commitment to her. Yes. I was, I was very much yeah. like... Let's just do a straight tag match. This is ridiculous. This is just, this is like sloppy as fuck. I tried to intervene. Yeah. But between Biss having too much integrity and Brandon being a huge fucking crybaby about a bunch of shit on this show, I kind of got hedged out. That would make sense, yeah. Which we should have just slid Casey into something else. I think that we could have, but people weren't, no one was. Oh, but but you had to have three fucking people in the bookmarks, Max. Yeah. You had to have fucking three. God knows fucking why. Okay. So we go into Joe Dan and Eric Shadows taking on the Hollywood Knives. A debuting tag team that I am very proud of. This is my invention. And uh, I I put a lot of effort into this. I put together most of the outfits. um, And I wanted to create something that was going to push 
one of the guys into a very prominent position as a total workhorse type character. Um, so the Hollywood Knives is just a name I love. It's a goofy name. And the guys would wear pharaoh cowls. And they had fake knives that they would sharpen. And they wore like gold sunglasses. And they'd you know, run out. And they, they were a fairly generic seeming tag team from the WCW mothership style. You know, They were goofy. And uh, one guy, of course, uh, Hollywood Knife number one, <laughs> was Steve Arino. And the other guy was William... Uh, what well, was his? He, he went his? by Bradley, right? Yeah, Bradley something. Yeah. <clears throat> now the concept behind the Hollywood knives was fairly simple. Um, I, <laughs> I got to say this. First of all, uh, uh, William Will was actually a last-minute addition to this. Oh, that's right. Because I was dealing with this guy who was, I think, a little mentally irregular by the yes. name of Rainbow Rhodes. Do you remember Rainbow Rhodes? Yes. Yes. So it was supposed to be Steve-O and Rainbow Rhodes. And, you know, at this point, Steve-O has been an MVP behind the scenes. Yeah. He is setting up the ring. He's been at every fucking show. He is the Red Scare. But I want to get his face out there. Yeah. And I want to repay him for all the support that he's given yeah. us over our tenure as, as a company. Yeah. And this was a deal where he had done a lot of gimmicks behind a mask yeah and he wanted to get his face out there so i want to create something that's going to really catapult steve-o into a role that people are really going to latch on to and so i create the hollywood knives and the concept behind the hollywood knives is that steve-o plays this guy who has a tag team partner and the tag team partner is always quote-unquote getting knocked out leaving Steve-O to actually wrestle the match by himself and win every match up until a point. So basically, in this match, his tag team partner gets knocked out, Steve-O is forced to wrestle Eric Shadows and Joe Dan, and he is successful. And of course, once the bell rings, Bradley wakes up and, you know, they celebrate together. But this sets a pattern. Yeah, and we, we also put some tension between Shadows and Joe Dan here. Yes, we did. I just want to say this, though. Um, the Hollywood Knives thing was over from day one. It was huge. People loved it. And it, it took off from here. And it was pretty damn popular. Yes. Yes. Uh, a big creative success, I thought. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and this was one of those things where I feel like there were a lot of moments where Biss didn't quite... Let, yeah, let, <laughs> let's break down. Because it's actually it's a good testament cr- creatively. And to Steve-O. Yeah. And I, I want to give him his props here a little he bit. He killed it. Because this. one of my major concerns was that Steve, at this point, had a reputation that his cardio was not 100% there. Um, Steve's always been in phenomenal shape, so it's not like he was out of shape. No. But I think it was that he would get so ramped up that sometimes he would he'd get gassed out. So the idea of him wrestling the entire a tag match entirely by himself uh, scared me a little bit. But man, once it came down, once the rubber hit the road, brother, uh, he was there, man. The gas tank was there. I don't know what he, if he just worked on his cardio, and it, I I've never seen his cardio ever being an issue in the time that we've worked with him. Um, so <clears throat> that was my major concern at the time, and you know what? He has proven me far beyond wrong. And then, and then for the creative component, though, I got to say there were always moments during I think the first few years where Biz would go, 
I don't know about this, man. Yeah. And then, of course, it would happen, and the crowd would respond, and he'd go, you were right. And this was one of those moments where he was like, I thought this was going to shit the bed, and that was fucking great. And yeah. it was. It was great. It was a great moment, and it's a great part of our history. And it really was the beginning of Steve-O in our company really becoming... Yeah. I, I think my huge. focus creatively was, I didn't get the Hollywood... I didn't get the Hollywood Knives, but it didn't matter, right? No. The, the, the Knives were just a, a vehicle to do the story, so... Yeah. Yeah. Looking back, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we go from there, and Chris Chu comes out... Uh, this is a testament to how quickly this was thrown together, right? So we, we have True on the show, but he had just announced his Star Search Battle Royal. We're not ready to do that. We don't have the budget to throw a Battle Royal into the show. So he's again announcing this big Star Search Battle Royal is coming. Uh, but he has found somebody in his comedy studio that is going to be the next great thing. And this is Delilah Doom. This is Delilah Doom, what, maybe three or four weeks removed from being fired from ACW? Yeah. So this was a great get for us. So I think Doom was who Brandon had in mind when he started the bookmarks, right? Because Doom fits that mold, right? Um, and had seen her on a... a Random concert I think, show, I think, right? I, I think he really wanted her to be the foil for uh, for Paige. Yeah. But it yeah. just, at the time, didn't work out, mainly because Delilah was kind of yeah. entrenched in ACW, and so there was kind of a, there was a kind of a weird... Because she was a student, yeah. and didn't have, didn't have the, uh, and was not going to get the, uh, I also, the okay to come I also really do have to kind of drive home that there was a point where Darren did say that if you worked for us, you were yeah. not going to work there. He did. Yeah. He did levy that threat and against people that didn't know better or wouldn't speak up for themselves. Absolutely. Yes. And so I, I think she might've been a victim of that for yeah. a period. So this is a good boom boon for us, right? This is a young talent with a lot of potential that a lot of people see going big places, right? She, she took off like a rocket yeah. from here, man. So, and then, you know, the the true story is what it is, but able to have that instant chemistry with, with Chris, who, you know, she's at the comedy club um, working and, and learning improv at this time. Absolutely. And it really also gives um, True kind of a, a contender in the, the women's picture. Yeah. It shows that he's kind of like... Uh, Scat, he's 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 putting he's not putting all his eggs in one basket, and he's gonna be this character, you know. So he's got Sherry now, and he's got Delilah. Yep. And so at the same time, we get uh, Jessica James back from Diana in Japan, literally fresh off of her her first tour in Japan. Had been over there a couple months. It was uh, an extended stay. So this is my little creative flavor in the women's division. So we're working, we got Jessica back. I'm a huge fan of Joshi wrestling and Japanese wrestling in general. So the, the, young, the young girls, I wanted to present in the Japanese fashion. So what my thought here was that associating Cat Green with Jessica and associating Serena Mercury with another wrestler that we'll talk about later on, you give them a rub. Mm -hmm. You can then have tag matches with those four wrestlers that 
the younger wrestlers can be led by the more senior wrestlers. You can have individual matches where the corresponding young girls wrestle the veterans. There's tons of stuff that opens up uh, if you do this. Um, I'm also, while I am the traditionalist and I like the, the just two tough people beating the shit out of each other, I'm a big fan of the pageantry as well. So we had gotten Jessica James, who has a Native American background, a Japanese fan with Native American um, imagery on it, yeah, and a sword, so that her entrance was this grand entrance, right? <clears throat> and Cat would come out holding the fan, and she would have the sword, uh, very, very Japanese style, uh, yeah, very mid '90s New Japan, very, um, you know, very. Japanese. So we have Doom versus Jessica James, and Jessica picks up the victory. This is coming this back is, from Japan. This is, by the way, what I wanted the women's division to yeah. be. It is. It is a. It is where I wanted to see it go if it were to exist, and uh, it's an it's an it's an echo, or harbinger of what was to eventually come. I think. Yes. Yeah. I don't know if we're planting seeds here, but. God damn it, it sort of was, right? Yeah. Um, so from that, uh, Tadasuke is about to go back to Japan. We have him for one more show, <clears throat> and we do JoJo versus Tadasuke. Which is a match that JoJo really wanted. Yeah. And uh, JoJo picked up the victory, but, you know, it's just a, a nice send-off. Right? It's it's an exhibition match. It's yeah. a lot of fun. It's a great match. It's just a good match for yeah. the money. It's, it's baby versus baby. So we come into... Uh, Houston Carson versus Greg James. So Greg's kind of doing favors heading towards this period where he's going to take some time off and be repackaged. So loses, loses, loses a few and then takes yeah, time and, off. And he's lost his legion, so he's kind of, you know, that's the story here. And Carson picks up a, a strong victory. Um, this was more than likely a late addition to the card, Carson being there probably because somebody else is on the card. Yes. Right? So we're doing him a favor. He has to be there. So we, we come up with something creative for him. All right. So now we get into... Oh, talk about Snake Bitten. So we have the first match of this... The women's title tournament, which is supposed to be mirroring the men's tournament, which is three three-ways into a final three-way for the title. Yes, sir. So, the night before this show, Angelus Lane breaks both wrists doing a suicide dive in IWA Mid-South. Maybe it's two days before, but either way, is not able to drive down um, and be part of this show. So, the first three-way has already been changed, right? I mean... I think this may have been a spot that we talked about Casey Warfield filling into, but like that was fucking not going to happen. So originally it was um, Angelus, Veda Scott, and Athena, who yes. I was very excited to bring in. I'd worked with her quite a bit. Athena, now known as em- Ember Moon, Moon yeah. in WWE. So we get Veda Scott versus Athena. Now, Jessica and Athena, on this card at least, are two of the more tenured um, women's wrestlers in Texas. 
And she's the other wrestler I wanted to put a quote-unquote young girl with. So, and she already has this kind of, um, is it Harry Potter knight, you know, <clears throat> yeah. knight flag thing, right? Yeah. So we get Serena Mercury to present the flag as her young girl. Uh, Serena Mercury does not understand this gimmick at all, is kind of annoying about it, but doesn't want to do it, thinks it's below her, and, uh, well, this is the last we ever see of Serena Mercury. Um, so, um, Athena goes over after Veda is injured in the match, so just completely snake-bitten. Um, Veda, I think it was a shoulder injury. Yeah. Um, so... Now I have, let's set the stage here, because these last three matches are amazing. This is a fun <laughs> little story. So I am now in the back uh, addressing an injured wrestler, which is the last thing any promoter wants to happen on their show. If they're made of any f of their own fucking salt, it's the last thing you ever want to deal with. It's the shittiest fucking thing. So I'm back there with Veda, making sure she has ice, seeing if we need to take her to get medical attention, Right, it, it seems to be a sprain. We just want to get ice on it, make sure she has ice, blah, yada, yada, yada. So during that time, the three-way between Sammy, Barrett Brown, and Ricky Starks, which is the crown jewel work rate rise of this show, right? It's incredible. It's, it's easily one of the best ladder matches I've ever seen, strictly based on how... The ladders are utilized yeah. and even underutilized. They're used. They're they're built upon. I've, I I saw spots in this match that I've never seen before, but also there was a lot of good wrestling within the match that didn't necessarily involve the ladders. And of course, we got that crazy fucking moment where Sammy Sammy leapt off the top of the ladder out of the ring onto the floor where Ricky and Barrett were waiting. He did. I believe he did a. What did he do? It, like it, almost a four fifty off the top of the ladder, yeah, right? Yeah, maybe even a six thirty. I don't. It was crazy. So halfway through, I come out and I um. Tony Brooklyn is there, so you guys already know what the deal with Tony Brooklyn is and why he's there. Um, we're basically going to be announcing yeah, we're gonna, our we're gonna announce affiliation it. with the NWA. Yeah, because so. we joined because we wanted to get we wanted to get Barbie yeah. Hayden as a champ. We wanted to get we wanted to get an NWA women's title defense. We felt like that was the hook that we could do. We had been sold on the idea of eventually hosting a match with Jushin Thunder Liger. We loved the idea of controlling the women's title, and we we thought, eh, you know, an NWA title match yeah. ain't so bad. So my, you know, and it's my good friend Tony. Yeah. So Tony's a great dude. I'm I'm up against the wall with him, and and you know, I wanna I want him to see, hey, this this is inspire right here. This this three way right. And he, he's blown away, mm -hmm. right? He's really impressed. Um, and um, so Sammy Guevara <laughs> climbs up the ladder, retrieves the crown. Um, he's crowned. He kind of rolls to the outside. Everyone else clears out. And Sammy grabs the microphone from announcer Brandon Stroud. This is great. <laughs> so... Sammy is, uh, he's, he's on the microphone and, uh, he basically says, Hey, this, you know, this has nothing to do with inspire. I love you guys. Even though he's the heel, 
Um, but he kind of put us over in a very roundabout in, in way. a weird way. Yes, he did. And he's like, "There's this place that's a fucking hellhole to be at." Basically, he's like, "They don't know. They didn't know who the fuck I am. They treat me like shit. They do nothing but but lie to me." And I know there's some people from there here tonight. And I'm like, "Oh fuck! What the hell?" I'm, what I'm actually thinking is, "What the hell did the NWA do to him?" <laughs> and he goes, uh, "River City Wrestling, <laughs> I quit. There'll be a show there next weekend, but I'm not gonna fucking be there. Fuck you, you fuck you." <laughs> and walks out the ring, and I'm like, "Oh fuck!" But like, the crowd, I, the crowd kind of was like, "Holy shit, yeah, what yeah, just happened?" The that crowd, was like, the crowd yeah. was very. And I look over to Tony. I'm like, "Tony, this is not how we do business. I'm gonna go deal with it." And Tony goes, "No." I'm just glad for once it wasn't me. <laughs> oh my fucking Christ. So I walked through. Uh, Don Juan is there from River City Wrestling and somebody else, one of the students, I want to say. And of course, Honky Kong. Oh yeah, Honky there. Kong too. Uh, match up next. In Gorilla. <laughs> uh, no pun intended. Um, so I walked past. I'm like, hey man, I, I didn't know he was going to fucking do that. Like, let me go talk to him. And Don, Don Juan's like, yeah, it's fine, man. Just make sure you call Brandon. You know, Oliver. I'm like, uh, I'll fucking, yes, obviously, me and Mr. Oliver are going to have a conversation tonight. So I get out, and uh, Sammy's, you know, he's obviously very upset. And he's like, I'm sorry, it's just they fucked me over, they fucked me over, they fucked me over. I'm like, you're, uh, basically, you know, it came, come across me, I'm like, yeah, these people are pieces of shit, right? I get it. Like, you put me in a bad situation, but they fucked you. I get it, right? But ultimately, it yeah. looks like we put him up to it. Yeah. And we didn't. No, not We at had all. no idea what he was going to say. In fact, yeah. this led to a rule where if Sammy <laughs> tries to take the mic, you do not let Sammy <laughs> yeah. have a mic. Not a live mic. Not one at all. So, so yeah. Like, yeah. Right. So, I get out there, and, like, he's he's very distraught. He's like, oh, if you, you know, you don't have to pay me, like, fucking, you know. I'm sorry, but I fucking I just had to get it out. Like, all right, man, I get it. Like, if anyone that asks, I just chewed your ass. But I fucking get it, man. Just fucking hang out here for a little bit. So I go back. I go back in. I think by the time I came back in, the match was ending. Yeah. Okay. So let's let's get this out of the way. I, I need. I was there for this. Yeah. So okay. We're all kind of <laughs> shell-shocked by the fact that Sammy got up and just tore the shit out of RCW. Yeah. We did not anticipate that. We didn't put him up to it. And if we had, I'd fucking tell you. Yeah. Because, uh, you know. At this point, yeah. Yeah, I don't give a shit. But anyway, so the match, the, so Depression and Honky Kong is going on. Honky Kong comes out. you got to understand that this is my sub-main event match. Yeah. It is a match that I've put a lot of effort into. I believe I've even filmed vignettes around this match. Yes. Uh, Biss has had to go take time out of his life to go to San Antonio and San Marcos and, and, and build this match. We built this match, and I believe that the match lasted around two minutes. Three minutes on the dot. Okay, three minutes on the dot. I thought, I thought it was like two minutes the, and 44 the, seconds. The entrances last like, like six minutes total. The match lasts three fucking minutes. Okay, but basically... Honky Kong and Depression lock up and then they just go home very quickly. This is what I remember. And like and and uh I don't even believe that it was supposed to be 
I think there was some question about the the ending. I think I think like it was supposed to be kind of like a like a like we, a non finish. We something. kept we kept them fairly strong. Yeah, but I think it's basically like I think Honky just basically goes DDT me, cover me, and that's it. And that's it. That's basically the match. That's it. They're, it, it's they're very grappling. Uh, Depression looks very confused. Like. Shrugs his shoulders and hits a DDT, covers him up. One, two, three. It, it is very much a fart in a cornfield. It's just, <laughs> just like, I was just standing there going, what the fuck just happened? I was really confused. And Honky Kong leaves and Don Juan splits and they just, they're yeah. gone. Yeah. And so we'll get to that in a bit. Yeah, that's important. <laughs> this is, this because, is important. Because this- now we all go up in the ring. Yeah. Because... It's very the pageantry is very important to me. So this this is the first time I think I've set foot in a yeah in a ring. Um, and I, I I you know I wish we did more of this, but we do the very Japanese the the own the promoters and Josh well, is there. Let's, yeah, Josh is there. All the promoters are there, but let's not let's not bury the lead here. So we bring Tony Brooklyn in to say a few words. Um, and they, as know, we are leading into this NWA yeah. Women's World Title defense, yeah. So he, you know, he's going through all the happenings of the NWA, and you know, fucking this title was defended in Germany. Tag belts were defended in New Japan against Tenzon and Kojima, and we almost got them. But the, our crowd is fucking popping for Tenzon and Kojima, right? You know, and you know Rob Conway and X Y Z, right? But tonight in Austin. You know, is this NWA women's title match. And then he goes on to announce that Inspire is going to join the NWA. And it gets this standing ovation. Yeah, which, huge. Which chills. I still get chills yeah, thinking about like, it. It was like we won the lottery, right? Because to those people, even though behind the scenes we knew what went through to get into it, I think those those people that were in the crowd that to them was this this great award this great sediment towards us it's a payoff right um to us and to inspire so they were very happy for us which which i thought was cool not everybody some people but some people a, didn't understand enough. why we did it yeah but yeah but the, but but the general the majority was... of the crowd took it as this great moment um, it, it was a victory was cool. for us yes so I cut an awesome promo. It was great. Talked about how uh, we were going to fucking do whatever it took to make the women's title meaningful. And and I meant it at the time. Um, and from there, we do the pose with the belt and Portia and Barbie. And Portia and Barbie go on to have a great main event. Barber. Women's match. Great match. Uh, Portia uh, greatly... Um, I don't want to say underrated, but I mean that's almost the right term. I love her so much. Right? Psychology wise, creatively, uh just put together an awesome match. Yeah. Um you know, and it was in a main event worthy. And yeah. it was the first time in a long time I feel like a lot of people it's it was it was a watermark match for yeah. us. Yeah. In in a different world, right? This was Porsche winning that title from uh Casey Carlisle and taking it across, you know. Um, Canada, so yeah, just just a great moment, and uh, th- the reaction that those fans had was uh, was great. 
and I'll always remember that. And just people coming up and congrats, congratulating us afterwards was was so meaningful. But now we have to go into the aftermath. <laughs> I want to deal with it now rather yeah. than the next year. Yeah, so we, we might go a little over on this one, but I think that's important. Um, so yeah. uh, it quickly gets back to us as we're mopping up the hall that Brandon Oliver of RCW is fucking livid. So, so as as we're in the ring doing the, the NWA presentation, he's calling me. And then after the show, I go to call him, and it goes straight to voicemail. So, here we go. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know that he was yeah, calling you as we yeah. were in the ring. But I had about three missed calls from him. Yeah, there was really. When I contacted him online, there was it was a. I got a very stalwart. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. He was mad, and people were talking about what had happened that were at the show on social. There was a buzz about this promo that Sammy had cut. Yeah. It was uh, talk about is a lot of people thought it was part of an angle. Yeah. You know, they thought, oh, man, they're building to something. What is going on? What are they yeah. doing? What is what is this about? But they were talking about us. And in my perception, that's all that matters. <laughs> and I remember Brandon Oliver being furious. And I remember him grudgingly agreeing to talking to me and me kind of saying we didn't tell him to do that. And him saying... Next, after that, the next day, he said, he, he said, yeah, the promo was one thing, but then you jobbed Honky Kong out. Yeah. And I said, <laughs> bullshit, and go fuck yourself. Yeah. That never happened. I said, I don't know what your boy did, yeah. but that match was over in the blink of an eye, and if you think that I wanted that match to end in three minutes after I'd put in that massive amount of work, <laughs> you are out of your goddamn mind. That was yeah. our sub-main event. I was excited about it. It didn't make anybody look good. And it was a waste of my fucking time. But from there, the conversation over the phone that I had with Brandon was, look, people are talking about us. People are, we can parlay this into a gate. We can, we can do some really exciting stuff instead of being mad or thinking that we did this or that. Why don't we just bury this shit and work to continue to produce good wrestling together? And do something that we can build off of. This is a great stepping stone. Let's use it. And he was like, nah, fuck that. So, let's break this down. What did Inspire get out of it? Well, we squashed one of their guys. We had another squash on their show. We then squashed their guy on our show. So, three squashes on our our guy. Uh, I got out of ever having to have depression put over Sean Hernandez... Right. And we got the buzz. So, yeah, him, quote unquote, firing me in depression that night. Um, you played yourself, homie. <laughs> like, you know, uh, you got it. You know, when people I somehow weaseled out of that fucking John Hernandez thing when, when by people no fault you, of my seriously, own. Seriously, when people hand you lemons, <laughs> throw them the fuck back. Yeah. Fuck lemonade. Yeah. Like, fight back. Just like. Yeah. He very, he very well could have parlayed this into something that could have been uh, something that got every one of us, you know, um, attention. But that's not the way it played out. No. He decided to burn a bridge, and it, it's, it was unfortunate, man. Yeah. And that's how the submission squad never returned to San Antonio. Anyway, 
This was a very arduous show, though it came off like a million bucks, in my opinion, in some yeah. aspects, except for that second match. It's a really fun show to rewatch. If you know this, go back and watch it knowing this background, and tell me it's not fucking hysterical to watch, yeah. in, in a good way. Anyway, that's uh, our that's our episode <laughs> for today. Hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll see you next time on Inspire AD. Bless you.